words on water. This episode of the Words on Water podcast is brought to you by Wood, a global leader in consulting and engineering across energy and the built environment. The need for change has never been greater in our industries, in the way we treat our planet, and in how we live. The team at Wood is on a quest to unlock solutions to the world's most critical challenges, united by their passion for creating a sustainable future in energy and the built environment. At Wood, they understand the world needs new answers to old challenges. They are future ready now. Learn more at woodplc.com. Hi, welcome to Words on Water, a podcast from the Water Environment Federation. I am the host, Travis Loop. Going to talk about the one water concept for this episode, what that means, how it can be a framework for collaboration, how it can be used for planning sustainability going forward. Very excited to be joined by Shailene Thomas, Vice President for Global Emerging Contaminants Program at Wood. Shailene, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Travis. I appreciate it. Yeah, this this one water phrase is something we're we've hearing for a little while. We're hearing it more and more. Uh, it seems to be really emphasized across the sector. Um, what what does that phrase "one water"? What does that mean to you? So I think my take and Wood's take on it is a little different. So I want to first maybe just cover uh, what I see the common definition of one water. Uh, be before I get into Wood's definition. So the more common definition of one water really spawns from the principle that any and all water has value. Uh, One water is truly an integrated approach to the management of our precious resources, of course, uh, including groundwater, wastewater, uh, stormwater, effectively managing every single drop from its origin into its final destination for use. So generally this is considered an often limited by political boundaries. So most commonly the local government unit or source of funding mechanism. Um, Still much benefit really can be seen from the innovative approaches to integrated management, whether it's from stormwater capturing, uh, rainwater harvesting, aquifer storage and recovery, uh, water use efficiency projects and the like. So we've seen many communities across the US successfully invest in and execute these types of projects. Now really what this one water concept means to Wood is we really try to take it to a different level. Uh, For myself and my colleagues here at at Wood, the one water concept really should not only break the boundaries of multi-purpose and multi-benefit solutions at the local or more micro level, but really should also consider how threats, whether they be climate change, emerging contaminants, or some other stressor, uh, be evaluated uh, and solutions be derived at a more macro scale considering the entire watershed. As we know, water knows no boundaries and our approaches to sustainable and resilient solutions really should reflect that. So this type of approach would ensure that efficient use of funds as well as a more sustainable solution uh, happens at a broader geography. Um, Per the recent survey by Environmental Business Journal as an example, 
Um, this is recognition across the water wastewater industry uh, regarding federal funding that in fact 44% of those surveyed agree federal funding is crucial and important to the industry. Um, but we need to take it to that next level and look at it more at a macro scale as to how we can use that federal funding. I love that you and Wood have got, given such deliberate thought to what one water means and the ways it can be used. Like I kind of alluded to, it's it's thrown around a lot, the term and the phrase, um, maybe in a very general broad sense. Um, it's, it's really important what you've done. Um, I'd love to, to dig in a little further on how the concept of one water and especially your understanding and explanation of it, how it promotes that all water has value and especially it should that how water should be recycled. Sure. Um, so really at Wood, we had the opportunity to evaluate that one water concept at this more macro scale, as I suggested, on a project here in Minnesota. Um, the project is the result of an $850 million settlement between the state and 3M for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances contamination across a 150 square mile area uh, east of the Twin Cities here in Minnesota that impacted drinking water of 14 different communities and more than 150 residents. So this project has been an excellent illustration of the promotion of that, um, that all water has value and it should be recycled. Um, although the state received the settlement funds for damages related to groundwater as a drinking water source, uh, the first priority of the settlement was to ensure that sustainable drinking water uh, happened for those 14 communities. Uh, it became very, very apparent quickly that the communities and the state had to really work closely together as a team in collaboration uh, towards the solution for the entire region. So more again at that macro scale to meet this objective within the settlement funds. So Although that $850 million sounds quite robust, it does not in fact go far when considering individual siloed approaches by communities. I wanna dive into this even further um, and this idea that, that one water can be an overall framework for more collaboration in the water sector. How does, how does having the one water perspective, having it defined what that means, um, how does that allow collaboration, more collaboration? So I think if every community took the approach of a one water macro scale, they in fact would look beyond themselves to see where there's that synergy across communities to address water from an entire watershed or macro perspective. Um, I think with some of the uh, things that have gone on with regards to funding, um, the infrastructure, $1 trillion infrastructure bill that recently passed, um, as well as the natural resource damage claim cases and litigation that has, has followed, these are giving states opportunity as funding mechanisms to sort of push those communities uh, into that more collaboration. Um, and of course, then pushing our industry across the water sector into more collaboration in support of those communities. You know, along these same lines, for emer for managing emerging contaminants, I, re I really want to dig into the, this specifically. Um, how how it can be an approach for for managing emerging contaminants like PFAS or you know whatever else is out there or whatever might be coming next. 
So something to take note with regards to emerging contaminants, and we've seen it in EPA's recently released PFAS strategic roadmap, um, that really for emerging contaminants and PFAS as an example, the entire life cycle must be considered of PFAS. And they really have to go upstream of the problem to evaluate the problem, hold polluters accountable, and ensure that science-based decision-making occurs. Um, so within the constructs of this and emerging contaminants, it really does bring in um, the one water concept in that if you do see PFAS in a water source, whether it be groundwater, surface water, uh, storm water, um, it is known as the forever chemical for a reason. And it's very likely that it's going to move um, into your other water streams and you will have to deal with it in several aspects. So it's all the more reason to look at it from a one water perspective. You know, you, you talked about the example in, in Minnesota. Um, I, I don't know if you want to kind of dive into that more or share some other examples of how communities, utilities, companies have banded together and kind of under the one water uh, approach to to you know, collaborate and, and better tackle their challenges. Yeah, thank you, Travis. I really would like to dig into a little bit more on the project in Minnesota. Um, so with this project and the $850 million settlement funds, uh, $720 million of it was available uh, for the state to provide to the 14 communities and the 150,000 residents um, that were impacted by contamination from PFAS. Um, what we were able to do and accomplish with that project is pull together uh, stakeholder groups. We had uh, citizen business stakeholder groups of the 14 communities. We had a government 3M stakeholder group um, that was um, participants from the um, elected officials from each of the community, as well as 3M. Uh, and then we had a technical subgroup. So that was all of the uh, drinking water engineers, uh, public works directors, um, really truly the technical staff from the hydraulic uh, drinking water supply and demand perspective, as well as the hydrology and groundwater source uh, perspective. Um, we had to meet with over a hundred different stakeholders across this project uh, to really, one, inform and educate these different stakeholder groups, uh, two, obtain trust and build trust across these teams, uh, and three, really engage and get feedback to understand both their real and perceived risks um, and perceptions of risk associated with the issue. Uh, we met with them on a monthly basis. We met with each of the communities on a one-on-one -on -one basis as well. And I think this really spawned and helped that one water concept become all the more successful. I think there was a true realization across all 14 communities that they did in fact need one another in, in some, if not all circumstances for the criteria we were evaluating uh, for sustainable drinking water. Yeah, I'm really glad that you can share that example um, because I, 
one of the things that we at WEF hope happens with this podcast is that we share great examples like that, you know, case studies, if you will, uh, and that others around the country and world can kind of follow in the footsteps that have been laid out there. That's that's great stuff. Um, looking forward, uh, sustainability, trying to build more sustainable water supplies, resilient water supplies, having water security. Um, these are just absolutely critical issues for the water sector right now, especially with all the stressors that are happening. Um, how can the one water approach be used, you know, to kind of to do that water planning for the future? So again, I feel that with the integrated solutions uh, that are on the table, whether it's aquifer um, recharge, uh, recycling of water or any other option. Um, when we start to look at these, not just as communities, but as a collective, um, we're that much further ahead in our response. Uh, just as climate change, whatever the stress there is, whether it's uh, climate change, whether it's emerging contaminants, each of these don't just happen to an individual community because water does have no boundaries. Um, because it has no boundaries, the communities really do have to work together. So um, I think from that perspective, it's very important um, for all of them to seek uh, funding in a collective way, uh, for the states to push those funding um, to the communities in a collective way and to force that collaboration. Shailene, I really appreciate your perspective on this. Like I said at the beginning, um, the term one water is is um, used a lot in our space right now, um, kind of thrown around and I think with good reason, um, and, but it's important uh, to really try to define that a little more clearly. Uh, and so we all have a common understanding of, of where we're going with this. And so I appreciate the, the work you all have done on that front and the perspective on, on how to maybe use it on, in a practical way. So Shailene, thank you very much. Thank you. And if I just could, the, um, the website for the Minnesota 3M PFAS settlement and the project work that we did to develop the conceptual drinking water supply plan uh, can be found at 3msettlement.state.mn.us. Fantastic. Well, we definitely encourage people to go and check that out and take a take a deeper look. Uh, but Shailene, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Words on water.